So today we have many questions. We will try to answer them as much as uh, uh, we can. Here the first one is, uh, could you discuss right effort and give some practical tools on how uh, to use right effort in our practice? So, uh, I don't know if it has been discussed enough uh, before, but uh, what I would like to point out here is that uh, the effort has to be uh, oriented to some purpose. So, depending on what we are, what for which purpose we want to achieve our effort, then uh, then we can see uh, how to uh, how to use it properly. Mm? So, the right effort first of all should be should be directed to what to to what we should know what we want to direct our our effort to. So. Uh, to make our plan or to, to make our mind uh, knowing what we are aiming at is very important. And then uh, when we know what we are aiming at, then we can organize our material in order uh, to achieve uh, the aim that we are uh, uh, wishing for. It's like uh, uh, if we want to build, uh, I don't know, a, cost, a, a construction or anything. Then, uh, then we have to make a plan. Okay, now it's going to be built like this. And then the second of all is uh, we have to collect the material. And then the third one will be also to collect the manpower. Like if we cannot do all the jobs uh, by ourselves, we have to, we have to, to find uh, people who will be helping us. So uh, when everything is, uh, is, uh, is is together, then we have to see that the, the <coughs> those involved in doing the works uh, do the work and we have to supervise that the work is going on and sometimes we have to see that uh, everyone is doing uh, his own job. So, uh, so with the meditation is the same thing, depending on which type of meditation we are aiming at and which uh, uh, situation we find ourselves in, uh, then we have to adjust the effort and also we have to, uh, to use the effort uh, properly. So the manpower or the people who are going to help us in achieving our goal will be, for example, the five faculties and the, the five controlling faculties. So uh, the effort, like when we have the five controlling faculties, effort is one of them. But uh, effort actually has to stimulate also uh, the other four. So they are stimulating each other. So if you have effort but it's not supported by the the confidence and the trust that uh, your work is uh, worthwhile, uh, then the effort is not going to be productive. You will get discouraged. And also, if you, then if you don't put your effort into, uh, into knowing what you are doing, then uh, the effort can be wrong effort. So just remember, just remind yourself what are the five faculties that are uh, the main, uh, that, are, that are supposed to control uh, our meditation, so the five faculties that we spoke about, then uh, uh, effort has to be uh, balanced uh, in, in, these, uh, uh, in that dynamic. So it's then we, we have to make it for ourselves, depending on uh, if we are tired, then we need to rest a little bit, so we cannot overwork. If, uh, if the body is tired or is, if the mind also is, uh, 
is uh, is fed up or I, in a, not in a in a good mood, and uh, and then if it's not working enough, and uh, it's if, if the mind or the body is too lazy, then the effort needs to be more uh, active. So in that way, we can uh, uh, adapt, uh, or we can uh, we can uh, use the right effort uh, in our practice. I think uh, yes. I think we have seen we have seen a little bit about that question before. So I will not go into more detail. Here, meditators from other traditions can also enter jhana. If they do so and explore the planes of existence, will they experience the Buddhist version? Or will they experience according to their own belief, system and view, like a Christian, heaven, etc., etc.? So here you have, uh, we have the word uh, version. So version is a way to, uh, to interpret things. So uh, we may be in a situation, and depending on our uh, conditioning, cultural or familial or social, whatever is our conditioning, depending on that conditioning, then we, uh, we, we, have, we give a version of uh, the fact. Huh? So it is an uh, interpretation. So the law of uh, karma, or the law of cause and effect, will not be affected whether you believe in God or whether you don't believe in God. Uh, if you do things, certain things, then you will have cert certain effects. If you do certain things also, you will have uh, other types of effects. So it doesn't depend too much on your belief or your uh, way of uh, seeing the universe. So when you get the results of uh, certain actions, and uh, then you can interpret it the way you like. But uh, the interpretation may be according to the reality, or, may, or it may not be according to the reality. Like if you have never been to the Bahamas or something like this, then you think, oh, I'm going to go to the Bahamas. But if you tell to, uh, uh, to somebody, an Asian person, who, I mean, is so far off from America or South America that he has no clue of what it is, the Bahamas, and he can think, yes, I will go to the Bahamas. And, uh, and I will have, a, I don't know what he is expecting there. So, uh, so both those people will end up in the Bahamas, but actually, when you are there, then you see, well, you have to pay for a hotel if you don't know uh, anyone there, and then, uh, you know, you have to, you have to manage a, a kind of living, and the conditions are, are what they are. So it's the same thing, like, uh, we are, whether if somebody is practicing the jhana, which is, uh, available in all the religious, uh, many of the religious and spiritual traditions, then when they die, they will also be reborn in the, into uh, heavenly world and, uh, you know, the, the, those uh, blissful states of uh, existence. But uh, what, they, what may happen is that uh, it may not necessarily be what uh, they are expecting in the sense of permanence or in the sense of lasting lastingness. But in the sense of pleasure, maybe it will be, uh, or in the sense of bliss, maybe it will be, uh, it, it can be the same.
Yes, so it is subjective, but reality, reality is what, uh, what is, so I think, uh, I think it's okay for that question. You mentioned there are 31 planes of existence and Nibbana is the highest one of these. Uh, does this mean a Nibbana is a form of existence? And if so, what kind of existence is it? And uh, does the Buddha exist in Nibbana? So I said that the, uh, it is mentioned that the, there are 30 planes of existence and uh, Nibbana is the highest. It's not the, actually Nibbana is, is not part of the uh, 30 planes of existence. Is uh, the 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 thirty planes of uh, existence, but uh, this refers to three types of uh, sphere, th three types of uh, planes, and uh, it is the the sense sphere plane, and then the fine material plane, and the immaterial plane. So in these three divisions, you have altogether thirty one uh, planes of existence. But nibbana itself is beyond the world. It's a lokuttara. So those three are types of uh, loka. So you have Kama Loka, Rupa, Roda, Ru, Rupa Loka, and Arupa Loka. But the Nibbana is, uh, is beyond any, any uh, Loka Lokotara. So it's beyond uh, these uh, planes of existence. So that means uh, uh, it's not a form of existence. And there is no one who, is, who exists in Nibbana. It's just the Nibbana. It's just uh, it's just there. In your talk last week, you said when a non-trained person passes away, it's like a person falling from uh, falling to the ground when the branch they are on breaks. But other one like birds and uh, and uh, and just fly away. And the light just fly away. Are you suggesting that some beings can uh, direct their rebirth? Under which uh, circumstances does this occur? So, uh, yes, I am suggesting that some beings can direct their rebirth when they, they die. So, if you have, like there is one sutta in the Middle Land saying, and it is number uh, 120, and it's called the Sankara Ru. Sankara Rupapati uh, Sutta, and it's uh, uh, arising depending on the uh, aspiration. So they say that uh, if somebody has a strong aspiration, hmm, and then at the, at the time of dying, that person is uh, still having that very strong aspiration, then that person may reborn uh, as he wished to be reborn. Like if he wants to be reborn in a rich family or in an educated where in a place where he will have education or if he wants to be reborn in, a, in this locality or that locality, then it is possible. But uh, there are also five uh, supporting qualities that are needed to fulfill the wish because if you just wish, if you just aspire and you don't have enough uh, credit to, uh, to support your, uh, your uh, aspiration, then you will not, uh, you will not be able to, to succeed. So the five uh, qualities that are needed as are faith, then virtue, sila, then learning, and the fourth one, generosity, and the fifth one, wisdom. So if you have those things, those five uh, qualities, and then your aspiration is very clear, then you will get uh, that result. 
But uh, if you want to be reborn in uh, planes higher than the, like we, we now you seem to be familiar with the planes of existence. So uh, first one, you have the sense sphere plane, hmm? the sense sphere uh, planes of existence. But uh, if you want, if someone wants to be reborn in the fine material sphere that is in the in the Rupa Loka, then uh, the person needs to have practiced jhana in this life or at the moment of death, the, his practice of jhana needs to be a kind of warm-up. And then, with that supporting condition, he can be reborn also there. And also, if someone wants to be reborn in some also uh, refined uh, worlds of existence, but uh, uh, where only the noble people are living, because you have also some planes of existence that uh, only uh, very highly uh, spiritually developed people are, are staying in area. And uh, if someone wish to be reborn there, then uh, the, the practice has to be done accordingly. Like uh, the person should have uh, had attained some, uh, you know, genuine uh, uh, insight and genuine, uh, like magapala, then he can be reborn in those uh, very uh, high states of existence. Then uh, here, could you tell about one of the Buddha's virtue, loka vidu, in detail? So if I go in detail, it will be very long, but uh, I will explain it a little bit. So loka vidu, loka, it's warm, and vidu, like uh, it's nowhere to know. So when they, when we, when we recite the qualities of uh, the Buddha, you know, so one of them is loka, vi loka vidu, speaking about the Buddha. So what? Does it refer, when we think about the Buddha as the knower of the world? It means that he knows all the worlds. But uh, in the sense that uh, he knows the arising of, he knows suffering, he knows the arising of suffering, he knows the cessation of suffering, and he knows the way out uh, of suffering. So uh, that knowledge of the Four Noble Truths cannot be done outside the world. And the world that is spoken about in this uh, specific case is the world of the of the body so inside the inside our body we possess the five aggregates and then inside that fatum long body can we know the end of the world the rising of the world and then also the way to get out of the world so in that sense the the buddha know all the worlds you know all uh, things related to this uh, i mean you know these things uh, related to this uh, internal and also external world. But also there is the uh, explanation of the worlds uh, in plural, and it refers to uh, three types of world. And uh, they give the definition as you have the world of uh, Sankara, that is the world of formations. Mm? Like uh, when we speak about the five kandas or the two, the two uh, kandas like Nama Rupa, or if we speak about uh, the causes, uh, the supporting causes for existence, or if we speak about the, the five aggregates, or the six bays, or the twelve bays, and the eighteen elements, the four elements, and anyway, all that belongs to what is called uh, the world of, uh, of uh, formations. Then uh, the second one is the world of. Uh, being. That means 
uh, in all these planes of existence, in all these worlds, then uh, we, there, there are beings there, human beings, animals and devas, and all kinds of beings that we have seen uh, last week. So the Buddha knows uh, all the beings. He knows their temperament. He knows their uh, qualities, their tendencies, their deficiencies. And uh, he knows how to teach them. He knows uh, everything uh, about uh, beings. So he's, uh, in a way, he, he, he can cover many fields, like psychology and all kinds of uh, of things related to the being. So this is the second world hmm? that he knows very well. And the third world is the world of location. So we have spoken about uh, what science uh, explained to us in, in the sense of material universes. So this can uh, represent uh, what is called the world of location. So uh, of course, like uh, the commentaries uh, give a lot of uh, detail uh, to what it refers to and uh, they speak about uh, you know all the uh, the, 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 the the colorful and uh, detailed uh, uh, cosmology that uh, they had in these days, and it's still uh, I mean we we can still have a, uh, try to understand this. So the world of uh, location, and the, this is the world of the 30, 31 planes of existence, for example, and uh, also the material universe and. Uh, if, like, the reference, like, if you want to have more detail about uh, what I am talking about, you just look in the Visuddhimagga, in the chapter uh, 7, uh, when they speak about the Buddha Nusati, the qualities of the Buddha, and then they say that there is about four pages, about four or five pages about uh, the, these things. But uh, it is very interesting just to see the cosmology, oh, the, uh, how vast uh, their mind was in the sense of uh, conceptualizing and also having a direct experience of, of the world. They were, they were really open-minded. And uh, not only do you see the world as infinite, you know, infinite in the sense of galaxies, in the sense of cosmos, in the sense of possible extension, but also they speak about uh, uh, in between the worlds. They say, Loka, loka, anantara, uh, that means in between the world. So even though they have uh, you know, uh, infinite universe, still they, in these days they were able to, to see that there are still some worlds between these universes. So it's just to say that the, 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 the potential of the, 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 I mean the, the, the way that they the inquire about, uh, about uh, the, 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 the cosmos. So when they speak about the Buddha, being the local we do, that means that he knows uh, all these worlds. Mm -hmm. yeah. Local we do means he knows the world, and then sabanyuta that means he knows everything. But, but yes, yes. I think it must be about the same. Because if they say that he knows everything, which is, it's still in the domain of the, the Buddha's knowledge. So what the Buddha knows is uh, difficult to say. But uh, if they say that he knows everything, that means he knows everything about the world. Because you cannot know something that is not, uh, like he knows the world, but also he knows beyond the world. So if he knows, uh, there is no, I don't think there is a, a differences. I think it will be referring to the same. I didn't check, but I think it's probably the same. Near the earth, body, Gaia, 
as a body without a mind appear to be experiencing a fourth jhana rebirth, what do you think? And uh, then the remark is, this might correlate with stars and other planets arising and perishing. So, uh, in the Buddhist uh, uh, cosmology, there are some uh, order, there are some natural rules, and uh, they are fixed. So this is, the, the, they call that the Niyama. It is fixed rules of the universe. And uh, the they relate, they relate these five uh, niyama, these five type of orders, in relation to, uh, uh, in relation to, to the first is the 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 natural order of temperature, utu niyama. So, the whole universe is just composed of physical elements like for example the four elements but uh, the law of temperature the law of fire the law of heat is uh, influencing the four elements is influencing the, 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 the three elements themselves so because of the heat then there are transformations in the universe there are different types of modulation uh, with, uh, with the other uh, elements so the heat by itself is so powerful that uh, it's, uh, it has enough influence to, 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 to be considered as a law. So under the law of heat, because of the different degrees in temperature, then, uh, for example, uh, there is evolution, you know, that we are evo there is a kind of evolution, like the evolution of species, or, and uh, also there is a kind of uh, continuance because of, uh, of the temperature. It is supporting the continuity of beings. And also there is uh, the revolution and the dissolution. Like uh, things come to be and then also they disappear because of, uh, because of uh, the law of, uh, of temperature. And also the four seasons, for example, are influenced by the law of temperature. And uh, they influence the birds and also they influence the seeds. So if the, 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 the temperature is not correct, then certain seeds are not able to grow. But if the warm and the, the degree of uh, temperature is uh, supportive, then the, the seed you know, is going to, uh, to give uh, fruits. So the temperature is one of, the, of these uh, uh, laws of the universe. So the earth itself will be, uh, will be there. That means the earth is just an element, like, uh, like you look at the sun or the stars by themselves, they are just elements, like the star is just the, 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 the yes, it's just the accumulation, a conglomeration of uh, elements put together and then uh, not behaving, but uh, transforming itself under the influence of uh, the temperature. So the fire, is uh, monitoring all these uh, all these things. So Earth by itself is just uh, uh, you know it is just a, an element influenced uh, by the temperature. Then the second law of the universe is the law of uh, of seeds. This is bija niyama. So the seeds themselves have, have a speci specific natural law, and it's true. This is wonderful. All 
seed as such an amount of energy, as such an amount of potential and power, that out of almost nothing it can create a huge plant or a huge tree. So the seed itself, or is also the birth, you know, like birth of a, of a human being, or is depending on a seed. I mean, the same principle is there. So the seed uh, is, a, is is one of the classification that uh, in which they identify uh, another law of uh, nature, bija niyama, the, uh, the order of uh, germination. And then the third one is the, the law of karma, the law of the mor moral uh, order, that is uh, yeah. karma niyama. So uh, the actions that the people are performing and uh, the actions and mostly being their motivation and their volition, then uh, once an action has been performed, it's difficult to, uh, to stop the result to come. So uh, the, the, the law of karma makes it, uh, makes it natural, the evolution of, uh, of the results. So this is also getting into this uh, perspective. So uh, regarding the question that was asked, then uh, the earth itself cannot be uh, cannot be the result, it, it cannot be a being that is there out of, uh, within the four jhana because the earth theoretically doesn't have a mind and uh, the earth is not born out of the karma. It's not, it's not born, it's not somebody who die or it's not, it has not been uh, supported by a previous um, volition by anyone. It is just uh, the, the, the natural elements that are there. Like uh, to be reborn in a world of, uh, of with the four jhana, to get the results of the four jhana will imply that uh, someone will have a mind, except uh, for the very high stage of uh, Niroda Samapati. So at that time, the, the person is not uh, having any consciousness. But this is very uh, special. And it's not uh, uh, it's the four jhana, but uh, a very specific uh, four jhana. Then the fourth law of nature is the law of, it, of the mind, consciousness, citta, niyama. So mind also is, a, is, a, is, a, is evolving. The mind, the consciousness, is depending on conditions to, uh, to exist. So uh, these conditions are classified under the law of, uh, of the mind. What is called, yes, the, 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 the law of consciousness. And then another one is the dhamma, niyama. So everything that is a natural phenomenon, you know, that uh, happens in sequence according to uh, the law of, na of nature, uh, will fit into that uh, Dhammanyama. Of course, like, uh, like I think we are, the, the Native Americans, I think that uh, they are also, like the, the people who are very close to nature, used to uh, uh, associate every, every event of a life of somebody with, uh, with external manifestation. So uh, specifically, they, 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 they make uh, the relation with, uh, with uh, the stars and the, the, the planets and everything. So they say in the American uh, I mean native people that uh, when somebody dies, then a new star is being created in the sky. So they have the uh, the, the very poetic uh, image of uh, 
of the soul of somebody who will be reborn as a as a as a star. But in Buddhism, it's not. Uh, there may be some relation with uh, astronomy, you know, when somebody is uh, taking birth. But uh, the stars themselves, or the earth, or the, the moons, or don't. Uh, they are not under the the law of the of the karma. It's just the. It may be a side effect. Uh, there may be some parallel, but it's not under the law of karma, and uh, they are not having a mind. What is the cause and condition of samsara? So samsara being the wheel, the, the round of existence, implies being just uh, getting born and then dying and then coming into existence and then proceeding to another existence without an end. So what would be the cause? The cause is just uh, ignorance. The condition is the same, just ignorance. So because of not knowing, because of uh, delusion, then beings get caught up in, the, in that wheel without... Uh, uh, well, we, we, uh, having difficulty to understand what, what is happening to them. And without understanding also, they are not able to get up. So trying to find the cause of these things, I mean, uh, further than that is, uh, is a little bit uh, useless. Like it's difficult to find the, the, the origin of the world and trying to, uh, to figure out what is the origin of the world or what is the origin and the cause of the samsara. Uh, to go in too much detail will just uh, bring us, uh, I mean, it's useless to think about that. Like there is no beginning to it. Here, what is a bodhisattva and how does uh, someone de- becomes one? So according to the Theravada tradition, a bodhisattva... Uh, is a being, sattva, sattva means being, and a bodhi means enlightenment. So it's a being who is aspiring for enlightenment. And uh, in the Theravada tradition, there are not so many beings who are, uh, uh, who, are uh, who can call themselves a bodhisattva. And uh, actually, uh, only one bodhisattva arises. I think in the in the world at that time, and then uh, that bodhisattva is somebody who is going to uh, to become a Buddha. So this this one I'm not so sure, but th- it's something like this. So it is very uh, specific. And to be a bodhisattva, someone needs to have uh, encountered a previous Buddha and uh, having taken the uh, uh, the aspiration and the vow to become a Buddha in the future, and then also having uh, had having the got the, the approval of that Buddha, so then uh, he can be a Bodhisattva. So, like in the Pali text, uh, when they refer to Bodhisattva, uh, it's only in regard to the, to the Buddha, Gautama, or the, to the other Buddhas, when they were on their way to Buddhahood. You know, it's, not, it's very rare, and it's not a general, uh, there is no general application, uh, like in the Mahayana. And also, there is no uh, uh, specific records of uh, somebody wishing to be a bodhisattva. You know, like in the text, they don't they don't mention like that. But uh, uh, when we look at the living traditions, you know, uh, we see that uh, uh, even you know, in a, I mean, in a specific uh, context like the Theravada tradition, we see that many uh, people have that aspiration. Many people think of themselves uh, as being bodhisattva. So uh, whether it is uh, true or whether it is what is uh, defined here as bodhisattva, we don't know. 
and also we cannot limit uh, that terminology only to uh, uh, to that uh, single Mayana person, uh, that that single interpretation of the of the Theravada, or that very generalized uh, adaptation of uh, of this uh, uh, idea in the Mayana Buddhism. So some tradition, some teacher. Uh, Some, tra- some teacher or some tradition med- meditate with eyes open and some with eyes closed. Does the Buddha give uh, instructions on this? So it depends of uh, what is our meditation. It's like with the vipassana, it's easy to meditate uh, externally and uh, internally all the time. So in this case, uh, the eyes can always be open and, uh, and also it can be closed. And, uh, but if somebody is, pre- is practicing some samatha exercises, then uh, in the Visuddhimagga, for example, they say that uh, one wanting to practice uh, the kasinas, then or you know meditation on a, on, a, on a corpse or something else that is uh, that is requiring an external object, then the person use that object and they sees see that object with open eyes, and then after that he closes its eyes until the, the image is, uh, is get, gets uh, fixed in his mind. So obviously there are some indi- indication that uh, the person should uh, keep the eyes closed when uh, uh, he is practicing the meditation. For Anapana, oh, it's not very clear. Like I have not encountered specific directions of how to uh, if you should keep uh, your eyes closed or open. But the teachers, uh, Though can explain it in different ways. Uh, normally, they say no. They, like for Anapana, very often they will say, "Well, it depends of the tradition." So they, some will suggest that you close your eyes because uh, if you keep your eyes open, you will be distracted by external stimuli. But uh, some also, like uh, in, uh, in the Zen tradition, they, uh, or some other traditions also, they, they meditate on Anapana, but still they are. Uh, they, they, they can keep their eyes slightly open and keep their mind inside. So in the the cosmology that I talked about, uh, you d- I didn't speak about uh, or elaborate on the realms of uh, Arupa Jana. Please talk about each of these uh, four realms within the Arupa Jana. So, uh, actually, I talk about them very briefly, and uh, now I'm just going to repeat uh, very briefly what I mentioned. I think what I have mentioned. So, the Arupa Jana or the Arupa uh, Arupa Loka or Arupa Bumi or Arupa Vachara, hmm, that means the, the sphere or the world or the, the planes of, uh, of uh, immaterial jhanas, there there is no materiality. That is somebody uh, that is reborn there, somebody that is, uh, that is uh, there you know, in, in, in this uh, world, then they don't have a body at all. So uh, that means also that they don't have uh, the five senses are not there. 
and they just have the mind and uh, they are always practicing like their meditation is always uh, uh, supported by the jhana so depending on the sphere in which they are then their, their object will be the infinite space or the infinite consciousness or nothingness or the type of uh, the, and then uh, the, the, the fourth one either uh, like neither consciousness neither uh, perception nor uh, non-perception so the only detail that I can add is that uh, in this uh, immaterial sphere if someone is uh, reborn there then uh, they cannot practice vipassana if they have not practice vipassana before and if they have not attained a, a sustainable uh, level of, uh, of insight. So if someone is not really well established and the commentary says that if someone has not attained a sota panna, then uh, if that person is reborn in the immaterial uh, world, uh, he has not enough uh, discrimination and not enough uh, knowledge to, to continue uh, a proper vipassana. But if somebody has uh, already attained some uh, genu genuine insight and genuine uh, attainment, then uh, that person can conti continue uh, his practice in the uh, immaterial world. Here, what is the light of wisdom? What condition it's arising and how is it used? So I will be very uh, simple here. There is a, I didn't find it in the library, but the, the Parkshad wrote a whole book about the light of wisdom with very much detail. So what is the light of wisdom? Uh, I think it's just like, uh, I mean, what uh, the, 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 the brief description that I can give of it is, now we are referring to light. Huh? So it's a light that is emitted by the body. Light is a material, uh, it's a material phenomenon, and it's emitted by the body. And uh, the light of wisdom, that means it is arising uh, with the wisdom. So that means also that uh, when the mind has uh, wisdom, as a, is strong, wisdom in the sense of understanding, in the sense of intelligence, in the sense of uh, power of discrimination, and uh, in the sense of uh, clarity, then uh, then this can uh, fit into you know into the the, the, the wisdom itself. So uh, the law of nature is that uh, the mind is able to produce uh, some types of uh, materiality. So the mind is influencing the body. So when the mind is very strong, then uh, it has a stronger influence on the body, and uh, from the body itself depending on the mind, then uh, rays also uh, can emit, can be emitted from the body. And also these uh, rays of light can be seen with the mind. So sometimes uh, somebody who will do the meditation can see a lot of light. And uh, that light can, can be, uh, can be uh, happening depending on, uh, it's a real light that is uh, pro produced uh, by the mind, but uh, supported by the body. So it's a material phenomenon, but uh, originally uh, occurring because of the mind. For example, we say like, uh, you know, all that. So in English, we say, oh, oh, that's a very bright guy. 
Well, why do we say that? Or it's a bright child? It's because the the child or the the, the person is emitting rays. He's very intelligent, so he's shining. So when we say also that somebody is shining, of course we can sp- speak about the jewelry that uh, the woman is wearing. But uh, but when we say somebody is shining with uh, happiness or is shining, you know, in the sense of uh, of uh, being special among other people, it's because of the quality of its mind. So when the mind is in, is is very bright, and when the mind is uh, as a high level of uh, intelligence and, and wisdom, then it, it is producing light. There are also some uh, other English uh, idiom for that, like we say somebody is very bright, or somebody is brilliant also. We say, oh, that person is really brilliant. So that means, well, he's, uh, he's demarking because his, his mind is, uh, is very br- brilliant. Also, there is, an, uh, there is a, uh, uh, a saying that say, oh, that guy is not a uh, hundred watts. <laughs> <laughs> So that means it's a, a light power is not very strong, <laughs> but this refers to its intelligence. So it's the same thing. It's, it is referring to a, a real phenomenon that is happening uh, with, within ourselves. So the conditions for that are that uh, uh, when the mind is concentrated. So if your mind is very concentrated because of the concentration, concentration is going to support the wisdom, and then the wisdom is going to emit light. So concentration can be a, a very strong supportive condition for the light of wisdom to arise. Or also the, the discernment, the discrimination. So if somebody is investigating phenomena all the time, you know, like with uh, what you have to do with the vipassana, but also in science or in any subject, if your mind is really investigating and really uh, concentr- really attentive to uh, to analyzing the phenomenon uh, to which it is looking at, then the light will be there. So, not only with meditators do we see the light of wisdom, but also in all the field of uh, of devoted people to, to to a good cause. Also, they say that uh, panya, for example, the wisdom, the 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 the. the one of the characteristics of wisdom is to illuminate an object like a lamp. So the comparison is, is that the light of a lamp will, will be able to illuminate an object. So that means that the power of the mind, when it looks at something, then it's, uh, it makes it uh, stand out of the uh, illumination. Also clarity of perspective related to the wisdom and the lucid discernment. So these things makes for the light of wisdom uh, to arise. And this is how it is used also. Like when somebody has a, uh, some mastery about, over his mind, then uh, that uh, wisdom and that light of wisdom can be used to investigate and to understand and to develop uh, with more uh, wisdom. This is how it can, uh, it can be used. Here, I, here the last question, which can be, uh, which can be very long, I think, uh, for an, an elaboration because it all concerns uh, anapanasati. But uh, I will, I will be very brief. I will try to be brief. And uh, two or three questions are related to the same topic. The first one is: Can you say more about how the mind knows the object directly without focusing on the sensation of the breath? 
so it is like uh, like if you want to know now you are all sitting on a cushion or, or on a chair so if you want to know the chair or the cushion without looking at it then you feel it oh, so you can feel oh. and then you can tell yourself okay now I am sitting I am experiencing I am feeling the cushion So at a certain point, you will develop uh, with the familiarity of that uh, of directing your mind to the uh, concept of a cushion because it's a concept. Like I mean, it's just uh, cotton and it's just kapok uh, and uh, you know all these uh, materials that made the, the cushion. So the cushion by itself is a concept. But uh, by directing your mind on that through the feeling, and then also by using the the mind in its uh, conceptual power you will be able to develop and to perceive the cushion uh, only with the mind. So when you sit, you can know oh, I am sitting on the cushion and uh, either you feel it or you don't feel it. You know, you know uh, where it is and also you know where, um, how to, what it represents as a, as a concept. So it is the same thing with the breath. Uh, at the beginning we feel the breath, we experience the breath and uh, we locate the breath by knowing where it is arising, you know, it is coming in the, 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 the nostrils and uh, going out at the, at the same area. And uh, the more familiar we get uh, with uh, localizing it and ide identifying it properly, uh, we support the mind to be able to know that without the interme intermediary, without the uh, without the intermediary of the, of the body. So only with the mind we are able to know the breath. So this is how it happens. The mind is very powerful actually. So the mind can know uh, many things without, uh, without the five senses. But uh, First, we emphasize to know the breath with the sensation because otherwise uh, the breath by itself is something, uh, I mean, it's invisible. So it will be difficult for us to see it uh, at the beginning if the mind is not really uh, strongly concentrated on that, uh, uh, on that object. Here, a long question is, uh, why do some translate the step three and four of the Anapanasati as either the whole body or the old or bodily formation and some as the whole uh, body of breath are both correct. So, uh, first we have to know, uh, we have to differentiate with the third step of Anapanasati and the fourth step. So the third step of Anapanasati is Sabbakaya Patisangvedi Asasisameti Sikkati. That means Sabbakaya, all body we know when breathing in and breathing out. So here the word Kaya in Pali means aggregates, formation, heap. Uh, congre congregation, collection, uh, body also. So that means 
a heap of uh, aggregates, a heap of uh, phenomena that are put together is called a body. And uh, there are many uh, things that can fit into that definition. So when we refer to the physical body, uh, there are many things that can be called a body. Hmm? Like uh, we have the earth body, the water body, the fire body, the wind body. This is described in the text. Hmm? But also the bread body, the bread body also is, a, is one of them. And also we have body parts like the, the, the air also. The air also can be called the air body and the skin body and things like this. So uh, they say in the Anapanasati Sutta that uh, uh, among all the bodies, uh, that is for example among the, the, the four elements that, that are just described as bodies, then uh, the breath is uh, also a body. So, uh, in the third step of Anapanasati, when uh, it is said, Sadbekaya Patisang Vedi, that means I experience, uh, the meditator experience the whole body, it can uh, properly be translated as the whole body of breath. Huh? This is correct. But here they don't speak, the, 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 the text don't say you experience the whole body of breath, but some translations say no, it refers to the whole body of breath. But there are also other interpretations of, uh, in some other texts, you know, like the, the Visuddhimagga and the, the commentarial tradition of uh, the Theravada is very strict about when he speaks about the whole body in this third step of uh, Anapanasati, it refers to the third body, uh, it refers to the, uh, to the whole body of the bread. But there are some other traditions that say, uh, no, the whole body, when, to, when someone experiences the whole body, it's uh, the whole physical body. So once uh, breathing in, then I experience the whole body. And uh, breathing out, I experience the whole body, together also with uh, some of the mental aspects of the, of, uh, of, of, of the being. So uh, this is also possible. This is also possible. But uh, to discriminate between, okay, now, where, where shall we stand and how do we, uh, how do we interpret that, uh, that steps, you know, because, because we want to be clear and uh, it can be very meaningful to, our, to the orientation of, of our practice. So how can we uh, interpret that step uh, properly? So giving credit to these two uh, interpretations, we can say that actually the meditation can be divided with the samatha uh, perspective and also with the vipassana uh, perspective. That is, if somebody wants to develop more concentration, more calm, and more, uh, you know, uh, like uh, orienting the, the practice towards the jhana, then a very specific object needs to be the, uh, can needs to be the, the anchor on which the mind is going to uh, to get established. So in that the perspective, with with the with the aim of developing samatha then the whole body of breath will uh, fit very well because we don't change the, the object of observation. The object of observation will be limited to the breath. The mind will concentrate on the breath and then eventually the breath will become the nimitta and then the representation of the breath, which, is, which will have been the nimitta, can also be used as a support for the mind to get concentrated. So 
uh, it feels it fits very well, and it is supporting also very well the, our uh, our uh, aim that is to develop uh, Samatha. And also, if somebody wants to develop a Vipassana, then the whole body uh, can mean uh, the, 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 the whole body uh, in the sense of the physical and mental uh, aspect of a being. And uh, here uh, I would like to take the reference that is available in one commentary called the Patisambhida Magga. And there, they, 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 they say specifically in, re, in regard to the, the third step of Anapanasati, they say that Sapakaya Patisang Vedi, what is Kaya, what is Bodhi? So uh, they give two classifications. We have Namakaya, that is the mental body, and we have Upakaya, the material body. So this is what is meant by body. And then a subdivision of uh, these two classifications would be what is Namakaya and Namakaya is the Vedana, Sanya, Chitana uh, uh, yeah, feeling, perception, volition, contact, attention and mentality that is uh, Vedana, Sanya, Chitana, Passa, Manasikara this is called uh, Namakaya and then for the rupakaya, for the materiality, what is the what is the definition, the, the subdivision? What what are the, what is the, the definition of that? It is the 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 four great elements, hmm? the tataruma, buddha, and then the materiality derived from the four great entities, and then the inbreath and outbreath, and also the sign for the binding, and also what are called the body uh, formations. This is the material uh, body. So we see that, we see that uh, body formations can also be included in, in the definitions of kaya in the sense of materiality. And also the breath also is, is also included in the definition of kaya. And also the four elements are there and uh, the, 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 all the other uh, all the other derived materiality also included in that. That means also, but here they say, you know, the commentary to that, uh, to that commentary, they say that uh, if someone wants to develop samatha, then the, the breath and the, 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 the nimitta itself is used for, uh, is, is being the object. Hmm? And then having the nimitta as the object, somebody uh, can, uh, can go into the jhana. But if uh, uh, the, the, the approach is the approach of vipassana, then uh, all the other bodies are the objects of contemplation. That means uh, the, the Namakaya and then also the Rupakaya. So everything is included. If somebody is practicing Vipassana, everything is included in the field of, uh, of, uh, of contemplation. That means if somebody wants to interpret the third step of Anapanasati as uh, experience the whole body while breathing in or breathing out, then uh, this refers to, to the mental body, the physical body, and then the physical body in the sense of uh, everything that, that you can fit into materiality. And then uh, there is no contradiction. And also if somebody really wants to stick to that, uh, I mean, uh, traditional interpretation of uh, Anapanasati, that uh, the breath itself is called a body, among the body, then uh, it can also uh, be used in that sense. Like uh, when I 
breathe uh, when I ex when breathing in or breathing out, I experience the whole body. That means uh, this can also mean I experience the whole body of breath. But also, like the here, the question is uh, is not so has been a little bit uh, is not so a little bit mixed because. Uh, in the fourth step of Anapanasati, it's not uh, the Sabbakaya Patisangvili, that is, they don't experience the whole breath. They, they, they don't experience the whole body. But it is uh, calming the bodily formation. So in that case, the body formation is referred to, and they say, Kaya uh, Sankara, Kaya Sankara, Sankara. So this is different. That is, when breathing in or breathing out, uh, the person calms down the, the body formation. So, body formations can include also everything. Not the breath is part of the body formations. The body itself is, a, is part of the body formations. All material aspects of the, of the body is included in body formation. So, when somebody breathes in and or breathes out, then all these uh, bodily uh, formations are being calmed. And uh, yes, but also uh, here there are two approaches that are divi divided in the in the commentaries, and they say that uh, if somebody is practicing jhana, then uh, then there is a way to calm the body, the bodily formation, the ka the, the kaya sankara. So if somebody is practicing only the samatha, and uh, is just. Uh, wanting to develop the samatas. At the beginning, uh, the person will have to calm the, 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 the his posture, calm the body movements, and everything that is uh, obviously agitated, it will be calmed down. But also the breath is going to be calmed down. But uh, when the person is proceeding a little bit uh, ahead, then uh, he will reach the upachara samadhi, and they're very close to the jhana. So at that time, the body will already have been calm. and. Uh, when it refers at that time to the body sankara, then the, the breath itself will be the main uh, body sankara. And when somebody attains the jhana, then the body is really calm itself, and uh, there is no need to, I mean, it doesn't refer so much to the body, but uh, more uh, about the subtle uh, remaining of uh, bodily aspects, which is uh, mostly the breath. So the, the, the body itself can be very calm, and then also uh, very uh, not moving at all, but uh, the breath will still be there. And like this, with the second jhana, the, sec the third jhana, and then when it reaches the, the fourth jhana, then also the, 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 the breath also will, will, will stop. So the last uh, body sankara to stop is the breath. So in that case, uh, it is just going from the grass uh, to the subtle. And also, uh, uh, there are two interpretations to that, is that uh, somebody will uh, purposely calm the breath, or somebody will purposely calm the, the the, the body movement or the body uh, formations. But also, if somebody, like the, in the Visuddhimagga, the way they explain that is that uh, you don't need to calm the breath. What you need to do is to attend to your object of meditation. So just the fact of paying attention to, to the breath, for example, then the mind gets calm. And then when the mind is calm, then the, 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 the body also is getting calmer. So. Actually, there is no need to, 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 to calm and then trying to, 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 to slow down the, 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 the rhythm of the breath. Just by calming the mind, then the, the, the body by itself will, 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 will calm down. 
And uh, this is also like uh, if we speak about jhana, if we speak about samatha, then then uh, the object will be uh, towards uh, developing the concentration with the jhana. But also there they give another uh, division is that uh, if somebody is practicing vipassana, there is also a way to calm the body formation. Huh? So if somebody has not attained jhana or if someone has uh, attained jhana and then goes on to proceed and uh, practice the insight, the, the vipassana, then just the fact of uh, starting to analyze and to see the, uh, the, the object of the vipassana, like the body or to analyze the, the materiality, to analyze the mind and to investigate uh, all the phenomena, then the fact of having the mind on the meditation uh, subject will also calm the body formations. And then the calming, the progression of uh, the grass to the subtle of the calming of the body formations also is related to the level of, uh, of practice the person is having. So at the beginning of insight, uh, the, the body formations are gross, but the more the, per the person is progressing towards the more uh, uh, deep aspects of uh, the practice, then also the side effect is that the body is getting more calm and more calm. So the deeper the vipassana and the inside practice, and also the deeper the bodily formations are going to, uh, to be. So I think this replies to uh, this this uh, question regarding the interpretation of the whole body of breath. Here another one is, uh, will you please say more about how Anapanasati fulfills the four foundations of mindfulness and uh, leads to the realization of the four noble truths? So just uh, for a reference, you can read the Anapanasati Sutta, it is explained there. And also, I think the, 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 the parks uh, was giving you uh, a manual or a kind of uh, pamphlet, you know, and then there also it is explained uh, uh, in very great detail. But I can, uh, can, I can just say very briefly, I mean, most of you probably say, know it, but uh, I will go uh, briefly to how the practice of Anapanasati can fulfill the four Satipatthana. So the four Satipatthana is the Kaya, uh, kaya Nupasana, and then Vedana Nupasana, and the Chitta Nupasana, and Dhamma Nupasana. So Kaya Nupasana refers to physical phenomenon. It can refer to physical phenomenon. Huh? And uh, then in reality, if somebody is practicing Anapanasati, then uh, if the person is aware of the breath, then the breath, being aware of the object of, uh, of the breath, is, uh, is the material aspect of uh, contemplation. And being aware of the breath also involves in the process of vipassana to be aware of what uh, makes the, the breath appear, that is, what supports the breath, this is the body. So all of that is uh, classified in the bodily phenomenon and also it can be classified into, uh, uh, <coughs> uh, can be classified um, into kaya, yeah, bodily uh, phenomenon. But also, uh, as we have just seen, we have just seen that uh, we have just seen, we have just seen that uh, the, the the third step of anapanasati also is the sabbakaya patisangvedi asisamiti sekriti. That is, uh, I experience the whole body, and then the definition that we just gave is uh, the whole body being the the mental body and the bread body, the, the mental body and the the material body. Huh? So, 
Uh, that also means, and uh, this is the, how the Parasarado interprets it in, uh, in his Satipatthana uh, you know, description. He says that uh, the Karyanupasana uh, is described when, uh, when at the end of the Satipatthana Sutta, it says uh, that somebody is seeing the Satipatthana he is contemplating the body in the body internally and then contemplating the body and the body externally, etc. You know, you refer to the text. And then, then he says, no, here, body, uh, karya, means the mental body and the physical body. And also, what it uh, involves is that uh, when somebody is uh, practicing karyanupasana in that, uh, in that uh, perspective, uh, in the field of Kayanapasana, both uh, mental mental body and also physical body are involved. So one is practicing Kayanapasana and the object is actually the five aggregates of materiali materiality and all the other four. So anyway, if somebody observes the breath, then this is Kayanapasana is fulfilled. Hmm? And uh, then uh, the second tetrad, the second clause of uh, the Anapanasati after the, fourth, uh, the first four uh, tetrads relates to, okay, when somebody breathes in or breathes out, then he experiences uh, uh, happiness and joy and, uh, and rapture. So to pay close attention to this uh, happiness and joy and rapture, this is also uh, kind of mental formation, and these uh, specific mental formations will, will fill the, 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 the role of Vedana uh, Nupasana, the second uh, aspect of the Satipatthana. And then the third uh, tetrad also will, uh, will say gliding the mind, no? the citta, uh, everything. And then also concentrating the mind. So when uh, somebody is developing mindfulness and uh, clear uh, understanding and the, the discernment, then uh, these mental factors are uh, actually uh, identified as the mind itself and also it can, it can, it can fulfill the role of, uh, of citta nupasana. And then the fourth, uh, uh, the fourth uh, clause of the Anapanasati, when somebody uh, is contemplating impermanence and uh, relinquishment and, and everything. So this type of description can also fit the uh, the Dhammanupasana of the of the four satipatthana. So it is like this. When we practice anapanasati, then then it can feel by itself. It just feels uh, the four uh, the four foundations of mindfulness. And uh, if uh, somebody is practicing the four uh, foundations of mindfulness properly, then the seven factors of enlightenment also, Vajanga, are, go are going to be fulfilled. And then also this involves that. Uh, uh, it is. It has to be directed to to understanding uh, life and understanding the the, the the four noble truths. So when we practice, then we understand uh, dukkha as it is, and then we understand the arising of dukkha and then the cessation of dukkha. And also, by practicing, then we are already involved into uh, into uh, doing into going out. You, you, I mean, uh, walking the path uh, out of uh, this suffering, which is the the four noble truth. Thank you.